can uh, take them to the uh, nursery at this time. And as they are making their way uh, there, I invite the rest of you to take your Bibles and turn with me uh, to the book of Hebrews as we continue on in our series in this letter. Uh, The passage this morning is going to be chapter 11, verse 39 to chapter 12, verse 3, and it's printed there for you on page 6 of your worship folder. Uh, A couple of things uh, just to make uh, you aware of. The outline is going to be a little different from what's printed there in the worship folder. I want to give you the new order so that you're not uh, perhaps uh, as confused as you already might be when I preach. (laughs) Uh, point number three is going to be point number one run with endurance point number two is going to remain point number two point number one will be point number three and point number four will remain point four so run with endurance reject everything that hinders remember those who have gone before you and look to Jesus. That's the new order. Uh, Also, just want to say uh, a word to Cheryl Smallwood. Today is her last Sunday with us. Uh, She and her uh, precious husband, Carl, who passed away earlier this year, uh, came to us a few years ago, just around the time of COVID, and they have been uh, such a blessing to our church and she leaves this later this week or okay later this week to california southern california to live with her son david and uh, his children and cheryl we're going to miss you uh, dearly we love you we thank the lord for bringing you and carl to us and uh, we know that he is in the presence of the lord jesus this morning where there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore Uh, And we're going to join him there uh, someday. And we pray that God gives you uh, much grace as you move to California, that you'll stay in touch with us and we with you, and that uh, we'll see you again soon. We we love you very much. Please take an opportunity to speak to Cheryl after the service and wish her well. Also, you heard Bob pray for Carol Boyce, Russ Boyce's wife. Russ called me yesterday with the sad news that uh, Carol has developed a tumor uh, in her brain on the temporal uh, lobe and they're going to do surgery at Bayfront on Tuesday morning. She's a very active person in great help. She's a, a trainer athletic trainer and uh, a 30 some odd year uh, elementary music school music teacher and this is obviously taken them uh, by surprise and they'll do an autopsy uh, autopsy a biopsy on the tumor on Tuesday and hopefully by the end of the week they'll know uh, what they're dealing with but we want to pray for Carol and Russ and ask the Lord, the great physician, to heal miraculously or through the means of medicine, but to give Carol many more years with Russ 
and their family. And now let's uh, turn to the Word of God, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 39. And all these, all these men and women mentioned in Hebrews 11 in that great hall of faith, all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had promised something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect, meaning that together with us, they will be made perfect when the Lord Jesus returns. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Father, we pray this morning that uh, this powerful, precious uh, portion of Scripture would be what it is, a double-edged sword, and that it would pierce to the very core of our being and expose the thoughts and inclinations of our hearts, uh, the good and the bad, uh, the things that are pleasing to you and those that are not, and that you would give us in this passage of Scripture a clear vision of the Lord Jesus, that the eyes of our hearts would be fixed on him, that we would see his beauty and his power and his wonder and that we would be melted, uh, that our hard hearts would be melted by this vision, that old patterns of sin, habitual sins would be put aside, would be put to death, done away with, and that new patterns of holiness uh, would emerge that new uh, levels of patience and kindness and love and endurance in this race of the Christian life would begin to flourish and blossom. Uh, we thank you that you are here with us, that you speak to us in and by and through your word, and that it will not return void, but will accomplish the purpose for which you send it. And so we trust you to do uh, what is good and right in our lives, individually and as a church, through the preaching of your word. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to picture in your mind a great uh, Olympic arena. The stands are packed with thousands upon thousands of fans. The competitors on the field are runners. Uh, they're not running a 100-yard dash. They are engaged in a long, grueling marathon. 
Many of the runners are growing weary. Some are ready to throw in the towel and give up. A few already have. The roar of the fans echoes across the arena like thunder. They are cheering on the runners and you can hear them yelling, keep going, don't quit, don't coast, run, persevere, you can do it. Some of those runners have already crossed the finish line. And they've received the victor's crown and they have taken their place along with all the other fans and they are now cheering on their fellow runners, giving them high fives as they pass by on the track. That's the picture that we have here in our passage in Hebrews chapter 12. It's a picture of the Christian life. You can see it there in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The word race there is, uh, in the, the English translation, is the Greek word agon. It's where we get our word agony from. Uh, Agon is a small town in western Greece where the ancient Olympic Games were held. And it became synonymous with the uh, competition, with the struggle, with the intense conflict in which the Olympic athletes engaged. The the Christians to whom the letter of Hebrews was written were engaged in a long, hard, intense agon, agony, struggle, conflict. Uh, They they were being rejected. They were being persecuted, not only by the Roman government, but by their own family and their friends because they had left Judaism and had converted to become followers of the Lord Jesus. And they had become weary from all the suffering, all the opposition, all the rejection, all the persecution. And they were on the verge of giving up and walking away from Christ. You know, it's not hard to get that way, to get weary and want to give up in the Christian life whether as individual believers or as a church. You know, we go through periods of suffering and hardship and loss, and we drift away from Christ into patterns of unrepentant sin, and our passion for Jesus grows cold. Uh, The power of the Holy Spirit in our lives gets quenched, and the Christian life becomes a monotonous, joyless routine of religious rituals. And the letter to the Hebrews was written to keep that from happening in our lives individually and in the life of a congregation. The whole message of Hebrews can really be summed up in verse 1 at the end where it says, run with endurance the race that is set before us. This 
command to run, this imperative, and it's, it's really the main point of the passage, which means it's the main point of the sermon. This is a great trumpet blast in our ears, folks. It's, it's a shot across the bow of our lives. And God is saying to us this morning, do not neglect the great salvation that I have purchased for you in my son, uh, Jesus Christ. Don't coast spiritually. Don't set your spiritual life on cruise control, which is so easy for us to do, just going through the motions. He's saying don't drift. He's saying don't take your eternal security for granted. That's why the warning passages are here in the letter to the Hebrews. He's saying persevere. He's saying fight the good fight of faith like Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And then he's saying demonstrate that your faith in Jesus is real the way the believers of Hebrews 11 did by trusting the promises of God no matter what. And so the, the message this morning is run the race. Run the agon, the agony, the long, grueling marathon of the Christian life with endurance. Everything else in the passage shows us how to do that, gives us the power, the power of the gospel to enable us to stay in the race and to cross the finish line with joy. So in order to run the race of the Christian life with endurance, you must uh, do this first. You must reject everything that hinders you. I know that's uh, uh, in your outline as uh, point number two, and that is the, the second point. Run the race with endurance, and you do that by rejecting everything that hinders you. Look at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside. That means reject, do away with, put to death. Every weight, not most, not some, but every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The picture here is of the athletes in the Greek games stripping themselves down of every piece of clothing that would hold them back, would hinder them in their performance. This is a call for us to reject anything and everything in our lives that would hinder us from pursuing Christ with all that he calls us, from running the race and finishing well weights cast away lay aside every weight what are the weights in our lives well they they're not necessarily sinful things they could be very good things uh, but they have become uh, far too important to us and they are actually hindering our spiritual growth and so god the holy spirit through this passage in Hebrews is calling us right now to pause and to reflect on our lives, to think about 
our lives, to do spiritual inventory. You know, we're so frenetic, so busy, we take very little time, the vast majority of us, to be still in the presence of the Lord and to think about our lives, to actually let His Spirit, by and through His Word, investigate us, interrogate us. We don't put our lives under the the CAT scan, the MRI of His Word. And so he's calling us to do that even this morning. And children, teenagers, this is uh, for you as well. It's for all of us. Uh, To think about, for example, uh, the amount of screen time you spend on your phones and your computers. Uh, You're saying, Dave, you've gone from preaching to meddling now. Um, You know, what, what... what you listen to, what, what are the podcasts, what are, what are, the, song, what are the, uh, the, the music lists, uh, your, your shuffle uh, that you listen to, uh, the things that you look at, what you give your time to, the relationships that you're involved in. Uh, don't just ask, is this wrong? Don't just ask, is this sinful? You know. The vast majority of the things that we engage in that are sinful, we know that they are. Some of the things that we do, we're blind to. Some of the habitual sins in our lives, others see it, but we're often blind to. But the vast majority of things that we uh, do, the the affections of our hearts, we know that they're uh, sinful. Um, So don't just ask, is this wrong or sinful? Rather ask yourself, does this Does this habit, does this hobby, does this, you fill in the blank, does this help me grow in my relationship with the Lord? Does this help me become more humble, more loving, more gracious, more kind, more patient, more self-controlled? Or is this hindering me? Is this holding me back from running the race with endurance? called to lay aside every weight and sin means getting vigilant with ourselves and we cut ourselves way too much slack it's very easy to be vigilant looking at other people's lives and telling them what they should lay aside or at least wanting to tell them Uh, but we give ourselves way too much slack think about your life Take some time this afternoon, this week, to get alone with the Lord, with your Bible and your moleskin or a piece of paper or whatever, your computer, uh, with just a Word document, a blank Word document open. Not your email, not the internet, not social media, but maybe just a piece of paper and do an inventory. And don't just ask, is this sinful? We should ask, Lord, what are, the, what are the sins in my life that are clinging so closely that I haven't even noticed that they're there? Sort of like the hitchhikers that we pick up on our shoes when we walk through the grass and we have to peel them off. The sin that clings so closely. Ask a trusted Christian friend 
hey, what are the things that you see in my life that are holding me back from becoming more like Jesus? What are the sins that I'm blind to that are so obvious to you and others that I need to uh, take uh, account of and put away? If the Lord shows you some things, then get rid of them. Repent. Turn in faith to the Lord Jesus and say, I, Lord, here, here's my brokenness. Here's, here are my weaknesses. I, I, I come, nothing in my hands. I bring simply to the cross. I cling. I have nothing to bring to the table of our relationship except my brokenness, except my sin. And here they are. And list them. R write them down. Tell him. Articulate them. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 says, Now, not tomorrow, now, you must put all these away and keep on putting them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church at Colossae. And all of this stuff is going on in their lives and it's going on in our lives clinging to us hindering us from running the race do not lie to one another seeing you got to see something you got to know something you got to be aware of something you got to rejoice in something what is that that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self namely christ which is being renewed your new self is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You are becoming more like Jesus as you behold him as he is revealed to you in the scripture. Beholding is becoming. The way you put away the weights and sins in your life that are holding you back from running with endurance is by beholding Jesus. This isn't a one-time deal. This is a daily, ongoing agon. It's a fight, and you know it. It's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And if you're walking with Jesus, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you know this fight. You know it well. And I know many of you are weary. Perhaps all of us are weary of the fight, and we just we long like the Apostle John who cried out at the end of the revelation, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Um, so this takes ongoing, diligent effort. We're to keep on laying aside these things. It's a long, hard fight, um, and you're going to want to quit. So how, how do we do that? How do we run with endurance? The race that is set before us, how do we reject all this stuff, good things as well as bad things that hinder our, our growth in grace? Well, he, he says here, we've got to remember the runners who came before us. Remember the runners who came before us. Here's motivation. Look at this. Therefore, this, and that word therefore, remember what we do? We ask, what's it there for? And this tells us that there's a connection between what the author has just said and what he's about to say. 
He's just told us about all these people in the Old Testament who lived by faith in the promises of God. They ran their race. Many of them experienced incredible obstacles, unspeakable suffering that we saw last week, very difficult trials, but they endured. They persevered by faith. And they finish the race, and the point is, so can we. So can we, the same way they did, by faith. By faith in the promises of God. Notice some of the faces that are in this crowd that we're to remember. Uh, there's Abel, the first one mentioned there in Hebrews 11, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. And then there's Noah, and Abraham, and Moses, and there's Rahab, the prostitute. There's Joshua and Job, the great sufferer. There's David, committed murder, adultery, conspiracy to cover it up. He's saying, God forgave me. He will forgive you, too, by faith. You can, I did it. I made it. You can, too. There's Daniel, there's Isaiah, who was sawn in two, history tells us, because of his faith in Christ. There's Elijah, there's Peter, denied the Lord Jesus three times after he adamantly said, I will go to the death for you. I'll never turn away from you. The same night, he denied that he even knew Jesus, and the rooster crowed. And God restored him. He repented. And the Lord Jesus restored him and uh, sent him out as an apostle uh, of the church. Uh, there's Paul, a persecutor, a blasphemer. He says, I've made it. So can you. And all the believers, every person from Adam and Eve on down the line, who has trusted in Jesus Christ, they're all there in the stands, in the arena, telling us, run, you can do it. We did it, you can too. And some of your loved ones are there. They're there saying, come on, run. Don't quit, don't coast. They all finish the race. They're all pressing in around the track. And as you come by, they're high-fiving you, and they're saying, go, 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 keep running. And they're saying, cast off those weights. Put away those sins that so easily entangle you and run. You know, in the varsity locker room where I played uh, football in Jacksonville, there were along the uh, wall as we went out onto the field, frame after frame after frame of former teams of years gone by. And some of the players in those teams way back to the 50s and 60s, and some of those players in those pictures uh, went on to play uh, college football, uh, D1 level schools, and even uh, some went on to uh, professional uh, football, National Football League. Um, those old team photographs uh, served as uh, reminders and inspirations to us current players. Uh, 
uh, as we went out onto the, either the practice field or onto the game field that others had gone before us and now it was our turn and we didn't want to disappoint them <laughs> especially some of the guys that I knew uh, that would come back from college and would be there on Friday nights watching us play we didn't want to disappoint them. We wanted to play our best. And this great cloud of, of witnesses here in verse 1 reminds us that many others have gone before us in the race of the Christian life. They laid aside their weights and the sins that clung so closely to them. And by faith, they endured the hardships that they encountered and they finished well and now they're cheering us on as we run our race. Um, we did it by grace through faith, they're saying, and so can you. So not only do we remember those who have gone before us in running the race and ridding ourselves of all these weights and sins, but here's the second and most important motivation, the final one, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. That's not a command. That is telling us how to run. We run looking. We run the race with endurance, fixing our eyes, the eyes of our hearts on Jesus as he stands forth from the pages of Scripture. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he had a race that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He made it. Uh, he lived. He's the perfect example of what it means to live by faith and so we are to consider him not just give him a casual glance every now and then but we are to consider him to fix our eyes on him to gaze upon him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that here's the purpose so that you and i may not grow weary or faint-hearted notice uh, he, he's not just telling us to run, to grit our teeth, to try really hard to do better, but he, he's telling us how to run, and this is the motivation of the gospel to live the Christian life, looking to Jesus. You know, this is how you became a Christian. You looked away from yourself. You looked away from your own moral performance. You looked away from your own sense of righteousness which is an illusion because we have none no one is righteous no not one you looked away from your goodness which is also an illusion because there's no one good no not one the scriptures tell us you looked away from yourself you looked away from all the things that you're seeking to find an identity in purpose in significance in meaning in <clears throat> and you looked away from all that to jesus and you were justified. The Holy Spirit made you alive, gave you eyes to see your, your need in the first place and the beauty and desirability of Jesus. He gave you repentance 
and faith and you trusted Christ. You became a Christian by looking to Jesus. And this is what we're to keep on doing as we run the race of the Christian life. We're to look to him. Um, we don't look at our good works. We don't look at our failures and our sins. We keep looking to Jesus. And notice how he's described here. He's the founder of our faith. That's a, a beautiful word. It means pioneer. It means one who's gone before us to clear the way, to, to, to do away with all the debris, to blaze a path for those who would come behind him. Uh, think of a small platoon of soldiers fighting in the jungles of South America or some obscure place. They're surrounded by their enemies and they come to a large ravine, a big gap between one side of a river and another. And there's no way around that ravine. You can only go across it. And there's only one person in that platoon who's able to make it across. It's the platoon leader who just happened to be an Olympic gold medalist before he enlisted in the army uh, in the long jump competition. And so he takes the rope and he gets a running start and he leaps across the ravine and he makes it and he secures the rope on the other side and then he comes back to where his platoon is and he helps each one of his men get across that ravine to the other side. That's a picture of what Jesus has done for us as the founder, as the pioneer of our faith. He's gone before us and he's bridged the chasm between us and God. He's blazed the trail for us by enduring the cross, the text says, where he suffered and died a horrific, shameful death, but he despised that. He set that aside um, for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising its shame. He finished the race. He finished his race by sitting down at the Father's right hand. Um, and now he's the finisher of our faith. He's the one who gives us the faith in the first place. He's not only established our faith, but he gives us the faith. That means he's the author of it, and he's the finisher of it. He's bridged the chasm of God's wrath for us, and he comes and he gets us and he brings us over to the other side so that we can share in all the blessings his death has purchased for us. And he's the one who sustains us in our race to the very end. Nothing is ever going to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's going to help us and strengthen us and uphold us with his righteous right hand. He's the finisher of our faith. He's going to get us across the finish line with joy. That's why our salvation from beginning to end is all of sheer grace. Getting into the race, running the race, Finishing the race well does not depend on your strength, your perseverance, your ability. See, apart from Jesus, you can do just a little bit, right? 
Apart from Jesus, he says, you can do nothing. But, as Paul says in Philippians 4.13, we can do all things through him who gives us the strength. So we run in the strength that God supplies so that in everything God gets the glory through Jesus Christ. So friends, don't quit. Run. Listen to the crowd in the arena calling out to you this morning. Look at the people who have gone before you, who have finished the race, and they're crying out to you. Don't quit. You may be on the verge of giving up this morning, walking away from Christ, putting your spiritual life on cruise control, just coasting, neglecting the great salvation that he's purchased for you. They're saying, keep running. Don't quit. Look to Jesus. Keep turning to him. Keep trusting him. Keep leaning on him. And you say, well, what, what is it that motivated Jesus to do what he did, to endure the cross and to scorn the shame? Um, what enabled him to persevere and not quit? Because, you know, if, if I were him, I would have given up a long time before the cross with those disciples that he was dealing with. Oh, my. Uh, it says it was the joy that was set before him. Well, what was that joy? Well, is the certainty that he would, by his death and resurrection, conquer sin and death and hell for every person who would ever trust in him, that he'd be raised from the dead and God's plan of salvation would be accomplished. It was the joy that he would be reunited with his father in the glory that he had before his incarnation. And it was the joy that he knew that one day every one of his blood-bought children, and that means many of you here this morning, would be with him in paradise, just like he told the thief on the cross, today I'm telling you, you will be with me in paradise. That was the joy that he was looking to, that motivated him to endure the cross and purchase our salvation. There's a joy that's set before us as well as we run the race of our very brief lives with all their heartaches and sufferings. It's the joy that is set before us. It's, it's the anticipation of being with Jesus when we die. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And you know what? Uh, just a week or so ago, a friend of ours in Tampa, Lou Brown, attended church one Sunday morning. And that evening, he collapsed in his home and hit his head, uh, so much so that it caused a significant brain injury. And uh, his wife, Anne, who's been a dear friend of our family from our childhood, she and her children had to make the horrific decision on Monday night to take him off of the life support, and he passed away. And some of you were at his funeral last week. Lou had no clue when he was sitting in church that Sunday that that would be the, the last time he would ever darken the doors of that congregation. Uh, you may enter into the presence of the Lord today. I may enter into the presence of the Lord today. This is the joy that is set before us.
in his presence is fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Lou has lost absolutely nothing by his death. Now, Anne and the children and those who love him uh, are suffering great loss, but Lou has gained everything. Carl lost nothing when he took his last breath. He's gained everything. Your loved ones who have died in Christ are in paradise, and that is the joy that we have set before us. It's the anticipation of the coming of Jesus at the end of the age when our bodies will be raised in glory and we will live with our Savior in the new creation where there's no more sin, no more sadness, no more suffering, no more death. We'll be perfected together with all of these believers in Hebrews 11. Men and women and boys and girls from every tribe and tongue and nation. It's the unspeakable joy of being face to face with Jesus. That's the beatific vision, is to see our Savior face to face. And the scriptures tell us when we see him, we will be like him. Dear friends, the Christian life is a long, hard marathon. It's an agon that our Heavenly Father has sovereignly set before us. And you may be weary this morning and ready to give up, but he calls you to run. His word is commanding you and me this morning to run with endurance, to strip away everything, even the good things that hinder us and hold us back from running well. And he gives us his grace, his power, by giving us examples in Hebrews 11 and others that you know of that have run well and finished their race, and they've gone before you. But most of all, he gives us his son, Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And he says, look to him. He's done everything necessary, everything necessary to get you all the way home and across that finish line with everlasting joy. And so, friends, consider him who endured such hostility from sinful men so that you and I will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for this encouraging word that's so full of hope. Uh, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our sufferings, our agon, uh, you are with us. Uh, the race that you have set before us is a good and worthy race. And you have given us your son who is with us, who will never leave us nor forsake us. He lives within us by your spirit and he is ena enabling us more and more to run with perseverance. We thank you for the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, cheering us on not to quit but to endure. And we thank you that you have given us uh, Jesus to gaze upon, to look at, that he is the founder and the perfecter of our faith and that he's gone before us as the pioneer uh, to blaze the trail for us so that we can get across the finish line with joy. Um, for those who may be here this morning, Lord, who have not yet stepped onto the field of faith, 
to run the race, would you cause the miracle of the new birth to happen in them even now? That they would put aside the weights and the sins that are in their lives and that they would, for the very first time, look to Jesus this morning and be saved. And for those of us who are tired and weary and just exhausted and, and ready to give up, would you use this portion of your word and all, just the means of grace this morning, being together and now about to come and uh, feast on the Lord's Supper, would you use all of this to strengthen us, to give us hope, uh, to enable us to take one more step with joy, knowing what is before us, who is before us, the joy of our Savior. Um, we thank you for your great grace in our lives, and we trust you to do what is good and right in us individually and as a church. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.